Hey, welcome. Thanks for being here this morning, guys. Happy New Year to you all. If you are new to the Vista or this is your first time in a while, uh, this Sunday, like Nick said, is going to be a little bit different. We don't normally both come out here. Uh, this doesn't mean that it's going to be like a, a doubly long service or anything. We're not, we're not both preaching uh, our normal time, so you don't have to settle in and get comfortable. Uh, we wanted to take some time, as we do at the start of our every year, and just look back on ways that God has been faithful to us over the past year and then take a little bit of time and look forward to 2024 um, and what God has for us in the year to come. If you look through Scripture, one of the things you'll see um, periodically, you actually see it a lot in the Old Testament, is God calling His people to stop, to take some time and remember His past faithfulness. Sometimes uh, His people will be uh, journeying somewhere, and He'll just say, all right, stop and and take some time and remember what I've done for you. Remember how I brought you out of the land or how uh, how I help you uh, inhabit this or do these things. And so the reason God does that is um, one of the greatest indicators of God's future faithfulness is for us as His people to stop and remember His past faithfulness. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to just take some time and reflect on the past and then look ahead to what God has for us the next year. To get us started, I'm going to read Psalm 77. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, Psalm 77. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, uh, we're going to throw it up here on this really big screen behind me, and I'm going to read this this entire psalm, and then Austin is going to unpack it uh, for us for just a minute. Psalm 77, here's uh, what the psalmist writes. He says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan, and when I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn me forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. Uh, You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So uh, any of you ever had one of those nights, maybe even recently, where you were really tired and you desperately wanted to sleep, but you just could not fall asleep? You couldn't surrender to the sleep because you were so worked up about something? Any of you ever had like that? Maybe last night for you? Um, It's the scenario that's envisioned here in Psalm 77. It's what the Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann calls compulsive rumination. Isn't that a good phrase? I'm gonna put that on my tombstone one day, right? Here lies Austin Fisher. Compulsive rumination. Um, Because the writer, he wants to go to sleep. He's really, really tired. You can tell he's tired, but he just can't fall asleep because he's so 
worked up and grieved about God's apparent unfaithfulness to him. There's this really great line in verse four where he says, you have held my eyelids open, which could have been referring to a toddler, I suppose, but I think it's the Lord in context here. Uh, It then peaks in this series of really sad rhetorical questions in verses seven through nine. I want to read them again. He says, will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I have once or twice. But then this shift happens in verses 11 through 20 where the writer, he stops compulsively ruminating about all the ways that he feels like God has been unfaithful to him, and he instead remembers all the ways in which God has been faithful to the community. Right? You might have noticed that the compulsive rumination of verses 1 through 10 are loaded with these what? First-person pronouns. It is all I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my. But then verses 11 through 20 pivot toward a much more communal perspective because the writer has remembered that his experience okay, is real and important as it is. It's just one teeny tiny experience that needs to be located in the deeper and wider experience of all of God's people. And so as the psalm reaches its end, it's as if this communal memory of God's faithfulness has swallowed up the writer's anger and all of his angst, and he's finally able to fall asleep. I love how Walter Brueggemann puts this. He says, we may judge that the psalmist found resolution for his complaint by re-engaging the communal memory. Or perhaps we imagine that this troubled insomniac has finally fallen asleep, consoled by the memory of his community. And so that's what we want to do first here today. We want to look back at God's faithfulness to us over the course of the past year as a church community by sharing some numbers and some stories. Yeah. So we're going to just take a little bit of time, and I want to share some things with you that maybe you don't get to see. I know some of you are here every single week, but there's a, just kind of a snapshot into some of our ministries and some of the things that we uh, were able to do this year, just so you can kind of have a snapshot of that. I want to start with baptisms. Uh, there may be no greater indicator as to whether we are fulfilling the mission and purpose that God has given us than baptism. Uh, baptism is where someone places their faith in Jesus, and then makes that public profession of their faith in Christ. Uh, They pledge to uh, their commitment to Christ. They accept his forgiveness and his grace. Um, And then they commit to uh, walking in the world, uh, living for Jesus. And so uh, this year, um, across, uh, again, all of our services and and, and all of our, our times, we baptized over 200 people this year at the Vista. Yeah, we can clap for that. There's a lot of pictures up here. Um, I know they're really hard to see. The idea was that you'd just kind of get a, a glimpse of, of all the baptisms. And what, what's cool about this picture is that every one of these pictures, every one of these people has a story. There's a story that goes along with every single baptism, what led them to that decision, that commitment, uh, being baptized. And while we don't have time today to share every single story that goes with every one of these pictures, I, I just wanted to take a moment and share at least one story with you. Um, again, it's just a reminder that, that all of these pictures have a story. And so the one I'm going to share, um, there is a young lady in our church named Naomi who is a volunteer. She volunteers in our church in a number of different capacities. She's a part of our young adult leadership team. In the young adult leadership team, they were challenged to get out of their comfort zone a little bit, to, uh, to meet someone new, to find someone new to engage with. Um, so Naomi uh, shows up to church one day and sits where she always sits on a particular side of the auditorium. How many of you sit generally where you always sit here, right? 
Why is that? I don't understand. We don't have like assigned seating, right? Uh, and some, if you get here late, you don't have an option, right? But, but um, Naomi sat where she, in the general area where she always sits, and she just felt like God was saying, get up and go to the other side of the auditorium. And so she did. She got up and she walked over to the other side of the auditorium where there was a young lady named Gabby sitting there by herself. So Naomi introduces herself and, and starts a conversation with Gabby. This is way out of Naomi's comfort zone. This is, if you know Naomi, this is not something that she uh, normally is, is comfortable doing. She's not super extroverted. Um, but she was faithful to what she felt like God was telling her to do. This young lady named Gabby, it was her first time at the Vista. She had watched online, but she had never actually been in person. And uh, the connection there, interesting, Naomi was one of the ones that helps us put our services online. And so there was a a connection there. Turns out Gabby is in the military. She was about to be deployed within a few weeks. So Naomi invites her to the table. The table is our young adult gathering. They meet on Tuesdays. And Gabby showed up to the table and began to just talk about her faith and how she's really returning to her faith for the first time in a long time. And she had never been baptized. I mean, she really wanted to be baptized before she was deployed. And so Naomi talks to Sid, our our college and young adult pastor, and on a Tuesday night, they fill up the trough, and Naomi was able then to baptize Gabby. I think we have some pictures of it right here, where Naomi got to baptize Gabby, and then the whole young adult ministry, they said a prayer for Gabby, like sending her off, and it was a really special and just an awesome opportunity. Naomi got to be an integral part of Gabby's spiritual journey all because she was willing to just listen to the still small voice of God say, get up and go to the other side of the room and and meet somebody new. And so again, just like this story, every one of the baptisms, over 200 baptisms this year, um, there's a story that goes with each one that is God's done something really unique and really, really special in those hearts and lives. In addition to baptism, I wanted to share a few other numbers for you. Again, just giving you a snapshot of like our other ministries. Uh, We were uh, able to dedicate over 70 children um, in our child dedication services this past year. Um, Some of you were here for those services. Uh, One of the ways we grow a children's ministry at Vista is by young couples having lots of babies, all right? So that's that's the secret, right? That's the the secret that happens there. That's how we grow that. Um, It's really exciting because it means that, that these parents... Um, as, they're, as they're having uh, new additions to their family, they, they want their kids to know the Lord, to love the Lord, to know Jesus, to be committed to the church. And so dedication is, is an important part of that. In addition, we added over 180 new members uh, to our church this year uh, through uh, our membership classes. If you're not familiar with how that works, we have uh, membership classes called Discover the Vista, three weeks of classes where you come and you learn about who we are as a church and what we're about and what we believe and what we don't believe and who our staff are and how to get plugged in and involved and um, a little bit about all of our ministries. And so 180 people came through Discover the Vista and joined our church this past year. Uh, In addition, we were able to take uh, some global mission trips, a medical trip, uh, construction trips to Guatemala, some trips to Peru where we put on basketball camps for kids. This is a picture of our uh, Peru team uh, this past year. In addition to our global trips, we had over 500 people serve at our annual For the City uh, day of service to our community this past year. 500 people showed up. And then there's a lot of ways in which our people are missional um, and participating in the life of our community that are just, it's hard to kind of keep a number on. Um, People that just love their neighbors well, which is what Jesus asks us to do, be a good neighbor. People that served as mentors for younger people. Uh, People that coached um, their their, their kids' ball club and and were able just to be a light in that way. A lot of different ways. People partnering with a lot of our local partners and serving on other days of the week. 
Um, and so, again, God's been God working and moving in a, in a number of ways um, in the missions of our church. Um, I also wanted to give you a little snapshot of our kids, students, college, and young adult ministries, because I know some of you may not see those ministries. They happen a lot of times during the week, and so uh, you're not up here, and you may not get, a, get to see how are those ministries going, what's going on in those. And so um, in our kids' ministry this past year, we hosted over 3,100 kids, whether that's Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, special events. 3,100 different kids came through our kids' ministry and heard about the good news of Jesus through our kids' ministry. Our student ministry um, reaches over 300 students across Sunday mornings, again, and Wednesday nights. Um, our college ministry is reaching 200 students, uh, an average attendance of about 100 every uh, Wednesday for Vespers. Um, and then our, our young adult ministry, I just want to mention that because a few years ago, we didn't have a young adult ministry. Uh, we just kind of noticed God was bringing to our church a lot of young singles um, didn't, again, they didn't fit in the college ministry, and there wasn't really a niche for them. And so Sid and her team, they've worked really hard over the last several years building and developing a, a young adult ministry. It started with like seven people. And now there are about 150 young adults that are involved in our young adult ministry every single week. Sid and her team have done a fantastic job. And so, again, I know some of you may not get to see what's going on during the week in all of these ministries, but I just wanted to give you kind of a, a big picture, high-level view of, of the way God is continuing to work and grow uh, in all of those ministries in our church. Yeah, now shifting to some of our adult ministries a little bit, we had around 350 adults involved in our men's and women's Bible study throughout the course of the year. We had over 80 small groups with well over 1,000 people involved in those small groups. Had about 95 people go through Alpha, which is our class for people who are new to and or skeptical about faith. Uh, they met in the brewery across the street. What a great place, right, to go learn if you're... A little bit skeptical about Jesus, sometimes a little something help you out a little bit. Um, big shout out to Patrick and Adrian Hodges. They go here to Vista, and they very graciously let us use their space on Mondays. How awesome is that? Um, and then we had, what was it, 90 people participate in Vista Recovery, with 28 people actually graduating this year, which is amazing. It's a really thorough curriculum, like year-long that you go through. And we had 28 different people graduate, make the full journey this year. And just to personalize some of those numbers a little bit for you, I'd like to share one story. Um, so this one Sunday, this guy walks into Vista for the very first time. He walks right up to Nick, our operations pastor, and this is how he introduces himself. He said, hey, my name's Rex. I'm going through a divorce, and I'm lost. Think about how different things would be if we were all just that direct with our introductions sometimes. Hey, man, bro, I'm going to divorce, and I'm lost, and my life sucks right now. Um, he showed up at Vista because just a few weeks earlier, he had gone to see his doctor, Don Parker, who's also a member here at Vista. And Don had told him that if he wanted to get better, he needed to do two things. Number one, he needed to walk until he was exhausted so he could finally get some sleep because he hadn't been getting any sleep. That was number one. And then number two, he needed to find Jesus, right? How great of a doctor is that? Hey, bro. You need to sleep, you need to find Jesus, right? That's what you need to do. And so Rex shows up at Vista looking for Jesus, man, and he, he ends up getting connected. He goes to Vista Recovery. He ends up going through Alpha, this class where he learns that as it turns out, man, he didn't have to go find Jesus because the good news of the gospel is that God in Christ has always already found him. He then ends up later getting baptized by none other than his Alpha leader and the doctor who sent him to Vista in the first place, Don Parker, right? How great a story is that? Your doctor baptizing you. And this is, y'all, this is just one story. But again, as Dave said, I, I tell it to remind you that as we throw all these numbers by you, you know, you can have all these numbers whizzing by you this morning. It, it's a reminder that every single one of those numbers has a story just 
like Rexus, okay? Um, Finally, a few Sunday-centric numbers to throw at you. Uh, On Sundays this year, we have an average of around 300 people volunteering to help make Sunday mornings happen. So that's for parking team when it's just freezing cold, cafe team, host team, kids, students, production, safety team, band. It takes uh, over 300 people every single Sunday to make a Sunday morning happen. This fall, we averaged around 3,000 people here on campus on Sunday mornings. And then this past April, we were able to host over 6,500 people on Easter, which is just really, really cool and really special that we were given the opportunity to do that. Uh, Finally, I want to share a little bit about giving. This past year, we were able to give away almost $800,000 to missions in various forms, which, as you can see, was about 22% of the money we received, which is pretty amazing. And, and we were able to be generous because of the generosity of so many of you. That's the way this works. If you're not generous, we can't be generous because you are us and we are you. And we're really, really grateful for a lot of really generous people. And then as we've mentioned a few times here lately, though, we we do, honestly, this is kind of family talk time. We don't just get all the good news. Uh, We do have a little room for growth when it comes to giving. Um, I know some of you are very visual people, so how about we try this? I'm going to throw this graph up here. Actually, it's two graphs. This graph on the left, your left, is our average monthly giving over the course of the last two and a half years. And the graph on the right is our average monthly attendance over the course of the last two and a half years. Now, you are smart people. (laughs) So I probably don't need to tell you that when your attendance is doing this and your giving is doing this, well, we've got a bit of a problem. Um, But honestly, more than a problem, what I think we have is a missed opportunity because, y'all, I believe in the church. Like, capital C, I believe in the church, of which Vista is one particular expression. I believe in the church, and I believe that God is up to something good and special and unique here at Vista. But our failure to be as generous as God has called us to be could cause us to miss out on the fullness of what God would like to accomplish here. And I really think that would be a shame. And so, as I mentioned to you about a month ago when we talked about the biblical origins and rationale of tithing, remember that? I would just like to submit for your consideration the proposal that regular and generous giving to your church is an essential part of following Jesus and it is the single greatest social good deed to which any of us could ever possibly hope to contribute. Um, and so that's uh, just a look back at God's faithfulness to, uh, to us over the course of the past year, 2023. And now we'll pivot and look forward a little bit at God's future faithfulness in First, 2024. we're going to stop and we're going to pass the offering basket. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, vision. When we think about looking ahead, a lot of times we associate looking ahead uh, as this word vision. And uh, just kind of looking into the future, a peek, a glimpse as to where God is heading. And I know sometimes when we talk about vision, some churches want to get like super creative and come up with some new vision statement every year or some new thing that God is really um, wanting them to go after. Um, we, don't, we don't have like a new vision statement for you uh, really today. Uh, there's a sense in which we believe that all healthy churches have the same vision. And that vision is pretty consistent, pretty constant. Uh, God has laid that out in his word, what the church is to be, what the church is to be about. So when we talk about, again, who we want to be and what it is, what it is that, we, that God wants us to do, it's, it's pretty simple. We, pointing people to Jesus, making disciples, and then, you know, building God's kingdom together as a, as a family. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not super new. It's, it's what God's kind of laid out for his church to be about. Um, and so what that means for us is um, that our goal here, when we think about vision, is not some number. 
It's never been growth. Our goal has never been growth. It's never been, let's put a number on it. By the end of 2024, we want to be this size or have this many people or this many services or, or any of that. That's never been our focus. Um, our goal and our, our hope is to be faithful to what God's called us to do. Um, again, pointing people to Jesus, making disciples, building the kingdom. And then we'll let God do the work that God does in growing the church. Uh, and so we don't have like a marketing strategy. Uh, we don't have, we don't have that, those kind of goals, uh, that kind of vision. Um, we want to be faithful and be the church God has called us to do. And, and it seems like God is really blessing that, right? Um, it's exciting to see our ministries that are growing. There's some kid who's really disappointed. And that I didn't have a vision statement? I'm really sorry. There. I'm sorry I don't have a vision statement for you today. <laughs> sure that's why the kid is upset. Timing was great. Yeah. Impeccable. Um, in, a, in an age where nationally, if you look at numbers, the church, Big C, there's a steady decline in a lot of churches. A lot of churches, uh, sadly, uh, plateaued, declining. Many churches close their doors um, every year. There are new churches getting started to help, to help fill that. But we are just, we feel very grateful and very blessed that God continues to, to bless the ministries and to grow our church. And that's not something that we're bragging about as much as it is something we want to acknowledge and simply be grateful for um, and, and thank God for, that God continues to work on people's hearts and lives. And, and again, we've got people that are coming to know Jesus. We've got people that are coming out of addiction. We've got marriages that are being saved. We've got people that were maybe uh, just nowhere, kind of lost spiritually, that are, are becoming disciples of Christ and growing in their faith. And so those are the things that we get excited about as a church and as we see what God's doing here. So that said, we do want to talk about a few uh, exciting plans that we have to look forward to here in 2024, with the caveat being that all of these plans are very much in pencil. If you've been at Vista for any amount of time, then you know that basically everything we do is in pencil. I still don't even know what time our services are. I know some of you don't either. I just, I just get here early and walk out here when they tell me to talk. Um, so plans in pencil. And so first off, uh, we do have plans to move forward with a building expansion, hopefully in the next year. Uh, this expansion will include an expanded kids wing to better host those hundreds of kids who are here who God is bringing on a weekly basis and to hopefully make after service pickup feel a little bit less like navigating Times Square on New Year's Eve. Um, Additionally, it's fun to not know if you're going to come out with your kid, but we're going to try to get you a little bit more space. Um, additionally, we're going to have, uh, hopefully, a, a renovated and expanded auditorium. All right, I know some of you are looking around going, I don't know where we're going to put any more people. So it could be two to a seat. I don't know what the plan's going to be, but we're going to try to make sure that we can squeeze a few more people in here. And then last and perhaps most importantly, your prayers have been answered, and there will be more parking. You're very welcome. That got an applause in first service. Um, and then <laughs> baptisms, parking. They're both great. Um, further down the line, we've got future plans to, uh, you know, should we continue to go further, maximize our current land blueprint. Those plans would include a further expansion of the kids' area, a student expansion, which we'll probably need in the near future, and then perhaps a second smaller auditorium uh, so that we can better accommodate all the people that God might see fit to continue sending our way. And then more on a ministries front, we're very excited to be launching a new ministry called Reengage. You've heard a little bit about that. It brings couples together to learn more about God's design for marriage and provide a safe space for people to work through their marriages. I uh, understand some of you do not have perfect marriages. Dave and I do, uh, not together, but we, I. Can't take him anywhere. Um, and so whether your marriage needs saving or you just want to take it from being a good marriage to a really great marriage, uh, Reengage is a place where you're going to be able to do that. And we are very grateful to Joel and his team. And I know there are a few people in here who are on the launch team. 
and making re-engage happen. And then, of course, we don't want to take it for granted that all of our other ministries, you know, from Vista Kids to Vista Recovery and everything in between, will continue to teach people to love God and love people by living and sharing the gospel. Before we go, I always like to talk about how you can really belong here um, and what it looks like to belong to the Vista family. In a church our size, in large churches in general, it is very easy to attend church but kind of blend in and never really be known. Uh, you can come to a different service. You can sit in a different spot. It's possible you could tell people in the community, I go to Vista. Vista's my church, but, but not really be known. Um, and so we want to talk just for a second about what it means to be known, to be a part of this family. Because um, what we want for you in 2024 is for you to belong, not just be a place that you kind of occasionally attend, sort of, but be a place where you belong to a family that helps nurture and grow your spiritual life together. And so this is something we call our discipleship pathway. You've probably heard us talk about it in sermons, in announcements at the end of services. It's kind of a drum that we beat all the time. Um, It's not complicated. We believe that sometimes, listen, following Jesus can be hard sometimes, Uh, but but it's not complicated. It doesn't need to be complicated. In fact, it's quite simple. So these five things, uh, we believe that if you'll commit to these five things, um, you will be well positioned to be a a, a deeper follower of Jesus, a, a disciple of Christ. And so the first one of those is worship. What we mean by worship is that you commit to a place of worship regularly and consistently. Okay? Whenever you're in town, whenever you're available on Sundays, uh, if that's here, great. If it's elsewhere, great. But be committed to a place of worship where you can be shaped by a community um, through song, through the word, through prayer, through communion and community, um, a place that shapes you regularly and consistently. Be committed to worship. Be committed to connection. I talked about connection. Again, a, a large church, you can blend, you can, you can kind of sort of casually attend all day, but Man, it's going to be so much better and richer for your spiritual life if you can connect to a smaller group of people. So we have small groups that meet throughout the week, um, different nights of the week. Uh, We have men's and women's Bible studies are great places, great ways to connect as well. But a smaller group of people that you can sort of do life with and and, and work um, on discipleship and accountability together with, um, we would encourage you to, to find a place to connect. Give. Austin just talked about giving. The Bible says that where your, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so your heart is going to follow your treasure. One of the reasons we talk about giving to the church is because, again, your, your heart is going, to follow, is going to follow that. And so be committed to consistently uh, giving and being generous. Instead of spending resources all your, your life on yourself, look outwardly um, to give to others. Serving. Um, God has given you um, gifts, talents, abilities to be used. And again, you can go through life spending all of your gifts, talents, and abilities on yourself, um, but the challenge from your church is to look, look outward, right? It's to learn to, to spend those, to serve. Uh, we have a lot of places, Austin talked about um, the volunteers it takes on Sundays, and then all of our ministries have service opportunities. And so we want to challenge you to be committed to serving. And then finally, the last one is go. And again, that's just the mark of a, of a mature believer, where you begin to look uh, outwardly. At, at, at other people, and you begin, whether it's locally, loving your neighbor in our own community, uh, our state, our nation, our world, an opportunity to go globally and to bless other people, to help point other people to Jesus, to help meet other people's needs, um, it is a mark of a disciple of, of Christ, where we get our eyes off of us and begin to get our eyes onto the world around us. And so, again, it, it's, not, it's not complicated. It's five things, uh, worship, connect, give, serve, and go. And if you'll commit to those things this year, we believe that you're, uh, man, you're going you're gonna to deepen your faith. You're going to be a better follower of Jesus. 
And then just last and a bit of a more personal note, just wanted to share two concepts, ideas that God's really impressed upon me for 2024 and the hopes that maybe God might want to impress them upon you too. And these two words, these two concepts, they're real simple. It's gratitude and then drive. Okay, gratitude and drive. And as you might have noticed, gratitude and drive, um, they exist in what I would call like a collaborative tension because they're not necessarily in conflict, but they're definitely in some sort of tension. And when we can get them dialed in the right way, then they create that really good kind of tension that unleashes enormous energy. You know, so I'm talking like slingshot effect, fission turning into fusion type of energy because gratitude, I've told you this a number of times over the years, I hope you grow to believe it, gratitude is the key to happiness. Because for the most part, it is not happy people who are grateful. It's not the way it works. Rather, it is grateful people who are happy. And so as a Christian, as someone who believes that your very existence is a gift from a good and gracious God, you have every reason to be profoundly grateful. And so I would hope that 2024 would be a year in which you could make this shift wherein, you know, gratitude and not entitlement is your default setting. Gratitude and not entitlement is your baseline. And then that's where drive comes in to unlock a little bit of tension here. Because in order for gratitude to avoid atrophying and this sort of lazy complacency, it needs to be paired with drive. Now, I'm not talking about like egotistical and pretending to be secure but actually insecure ambition. Now, I'm talking about like, you know, like that, that creative spark that was ignited in God's heart when God ignited the sun on the first day of creation. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that desire to be pulled up more into God's infinity, that desire to be the best, you know, the, the man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the teacher, the school bus driver, the doctor, plumber, contractor, whatever it is that God has called you to be. And so do with that as you will, but I would hope that 2024 could be a year in which you are a person and we collectively are a people who are full of gratitude but also full of drive because God is up to something really, really good and special in our collective midst. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of a new day, a new year. We are here because and only because a good and gracious God has decided to host us for another day. And we pause at the beginning of this new year and we remember that. God, I know we all have a long list of all the ways in which you whatever, didn't meet our expectations. We feel like you failed us or someone we love, but we just pause today and we submit our personal experiences to this larger communal experience that is your faithfulness to us as a church. We celebrate the baptisms, the life change, all the good and gracious things you have done. We remember them so that we better anticipate all the good and gracious things that you would like to do in our lives individually and collectively over the course of the next year. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.